Take your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. Book of Ephesians, I'm going to do an exposition. Ephesians chapter 4. I think I'm going to read a little bit, give you a little contextual idea of where I'm going. Let's start in Ephesians chapter 4. Let's say uh, verse 21. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corruptible, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man which is after God created in righteousness and true holiness. And it sounds to me like you have a will. Sounds like you have a will, doesn't it? Why would God say put off and put on if you have no will about it? Wherefore, putting away lying, seems like you have a will there also. Speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry. There you go, man. And sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, if you can get mad, get over it. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that steal, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. Now, if you can control the tongue, you can control everything. Tongue is a little member, but what a fire the old tongue will set. But that which is good and the use of edifying, and that, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, your speech should be that which is encouraging and uplifting overall. overall. Nobody's perfect. And here's the main text. It's a classical text. And I've said this a number of times. What is a classical text? It is a text, if you had 100 people read the fourth chapter of Ephesians, 95 of those people would say that verse 30 through 32 impacted them, especially, especially, you know, more than the other verses. It's classical. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed under the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath whew, and anger, clamor, and evil speaking, those are all related, by the way, be put away from you with all malice. And be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. That's big. But it's doable because God will help you to do it. I looked in the Bible, through the Bible, in the New Testament, and Jesus revealed to his disciples that there was one coming after he left. And he's called, in English, the Comforter. John 14, 16, I will pray the Father that he will give you another Comforter. Jesus was their Comforter while he was here, but he said another one's coming in his place. 
and he will abide with you for how long? Forever. According to John 14, 16, the Holy Spirit, once you get born again, that's what being born again is. When you repent and trust Christ, God gives the Holy Spirit and seals you with that blessed Holy Spirit, and it will never leave you. This life or the next, he'll never leave you. It's what it says there. He will be, he will abide with you forever. Verse 26 of John says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father shall send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. How many times that you've been trying to talk to somebody about Jesus and you had memorized some scriptures maybe years ago, or maybe you didn't even know you had the scriptures memorized, and you'll be talking to somebody about the Lord Jesus, and all of a sudden that verse will come up. It'll be clear to you. You'll be able to give them the verse from Scripture. I want you to know that's God. Supernaturally giving you what you need for the moment you need it. In John chapter 15, 26, it says, When the Comforter has come, there that word Comforter is, that's, about the, that's the Holy Spirit he's speaking of, whom I will send unto you of the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. In chapter 16 of John, in verse 7, it says, Nevertheless, I tell you, the truth is expedient for you that I go away, Jesus speaking to his disciples, apostles. For if I go not away, the comforter, there it is again, will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Our God, in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, is called the God of all comfort. In verse 3 there of 2 Corinthians 1, I, I just want to read it. It's such a good verse. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforted us, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that's troubles, that you may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith you were received and are comforted of God. Basically, he says you have trouble, you go to God, he gives you comfort, and you learn to tell others how to have comfort when they have trouble. By the comfort you've had, I've had a lot of trouble. I've had a lot of things go wrong with my body. It's amazing I can be here this morning. But God has never done enough to kill me, but he sure has done enough to torment me. And I've had many times of struggle and pain and different things that have gone on physically. And I've tried to learn what is spoken of in this passage. By the comfort he has given me, and when I often have I've gone to him so many times and cried out, and he's given me comfort, I've tried to pass that on to other people. When the first time I got cancer was 19, uh, well, I was 28 years old. And from that, I've been able to join the Big C Club. The Big C Club is exclusive. Nobody wants to get in it. But the Big C Club, now you can, now you can go to somebody that's had cancer, and you can say, well, I've, had also, I've also had cancer. And there's immediate fellowship. It's like the motorcycle deal. I go to a person that has a motorcycle, and I say, well, I have a motorcycle. You got a motorcycle. There's a family. I go door to door. I use that motorcycle thing for Jesus. Hey, I have a motorcycle, too. I ride bikes, too. You do. I was out calling with Max Georgia. I told this story yesterday. I was calling Max Georgia, and he's got a real heavy Italian accent, real heavy. And George, I, I couldn't get him to go with me. Finally, I just said, man, just come one time with me, Max. And he said, oh, okay, I'll come. And we go door to door, and 
we run into this one condominium area, and this guy came to the door, and he, you could tell the guy was heavy Italian, heavy, heavy accent. And he was just about ready to tell us, Get, you know, we, I don't want any of what you do. You know, I'm a Roman Catholic. I don't want nothing to do with you. And, and Max started speaking to him in Italian. It was like his mother was talking to him. All of a sudden, he opened the door. He said, hey. And they go back and forth. I don't know what they said. One of them was like, I'm from Sicily. No, I'm over from this part of the country. Your family from the old country. Da, 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 da. And Max was able to give him the gospel. The man opened his heart. That's what it does when God sends trouble your way. He just lets you join a club that someday you're going to meet somebody with that same kind of trouble and you're going to be able to comfort them with the, with the comfort God gave you. And ultimately tell them about the one who is the God of all comfort, the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. This morning I can help you with a simple passage of Scripture can help you because many of you struggle in this area that mentioned in Ephesians chapter 4, specifically on verse 30 through 32. I want to take each verse one at a time. We'll start in verse 30. It says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. The word grieve, I looked it up, it means to make sad. It's got connotative meanings. You know, you have a denotative meaning of a word. That's the official meaning of a word. Then you got a lot of connotative meanings of the word, depending on the context. But one of the connotative meanings of grieve is to cause to be sad. You mean to tell me I've got the power to make God sad? Think about what I just said. I've got the power to make God sad as a born-again believer. I also have the power to make God glad. Delight thyself in the Lord. When you delight yourself in the Lord, when you pray, it's a delight to God. And there's many things that make God glad when you do righteousness. You have the power to make God sad. You have the power to make the Holy Spirit of God sad. And if I may add the word, you have the power to discourage and if I may add this in, and discourage not the Holy Spirit of God. Would that be a fair, a fair connotative meaning? Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Discourage not the Holy Spirit of God. Well, who is the Holy Spirit of God? Well, I just read you a number of verses where he's called the Comforter. What's a Comforter do? He encourages us. Does he not? Comforter is an encouraging individual, encouraging voice. So if I may say it this way, in paraphrase, and discourage not your encourager. And discourage not your encourager, which you are sealed under the day of redemption. And then he goes in verse 31, he says a bunch of negative things that discourage your encourager. But he doesn't leave us with the negative. He leaves us with the positive. In verse 32, he tells us what encourages our encourager. So we're going to do both of those. I believe we, you and I, as born-again believers, 
are often guilty of discouraging our encourager. Why is our preacher down? Why is he, I'm not down, but I'm just talking about your preacher. Why is your preacher down? Why do preachers quit? When God calls them, they go to school. They believe they sacrifice everything in this world. They take a vow of poverty, as it were. They're not chasing the money bunny. They're chasing God's will. They take a desire to go where he wants them to go, do what they want him to do. They go to a small church, big church, wouldn't make any difference. Wherever God calls them, they'll go. Whatever part of the country calls them to. Man, some, some people even are called to Florida. Don't you feel sorry for them? I went to the Cayman Islands one time on a dive trip or dove all around the Cayman Islands. And I went to church there, and there was a First Baptist, it was First Baptist Church of uh, Cayman Islands. And Maybe been the only Baptist church in Cayman Islands. I don't know. We went there, and I, I went to the preacher after the sermon. I says, how is it that you can have a call to the Cayman Islands? Don't you feel guilty? He said, preacher, somebody's got to do it. <laughs> I said, well, I feel the same way here in South Florida. Why is your preacher down? Why, why, are, why do people get down? Why, why Wives, marriages? Why, do your, why, do your, why does your husband get down? Why do wives get down? Why do people get blue and depressed and discouraged? I believe oftentimes it's because we are discouraging our encourager. I attended in Greenville, South Carolina for about four years. I attended a church called Tabernacle Baptist Church, pastored by Harold Seidler. Harold Seidler's been in heaven a number of years, but it was called the Happy Church. That would be the nickname for it, the Happy Church. First time I took my wife, my wife was raised Roman Catholic. And if you know anything about Roman Catholicism, now she went to the Roman Catholic Church when it was done in, in Latin and when it was very liturgical, very, very serious, extremely state and serious. And so that's what she was used to. And I took her, I went, she got saved after a while, after, you know, we were dating, she got, came to know Christ and I got right with God. I'd already been saved. And we went to Bob Jones University for school and eventually went to uh, Tabernacle Baptist Church. I'll never forget the first time I took my little sweet thing to Tabernacle Baptist Church. We sat in about the middle of Tabernacle Baptist Church and they got up there and said something positive. And an old boy behind me said, glory to God. And my wife about jumped out of her skin. <laughs> we got, they, they got happy. They were happy souls. They were saying, Gloria, you say something about, I got saved. They go, man, you got saved. Hallelujah, brother. It didn't take a lot. After that service, I said, man, Kathy, I think I found my home. She says, I don't like it. <laughs> and I said, that's perfect because opposites attract. But I said, whether you like it or not, this is where we're going to church. And I noticed their pastor was, was, was happy on the upside of things. Happy church, happy pastor. Happy pastor, happy church. They were encouraging their encourager. When, but when you say amen to something, when you hear the truth of God, not just what I say, but if you hear the truth of God and you say amen, you're doing nothing but making me better off. You're helping me to be excited about things I should be excited about. Nothing wrong with saying amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
It's encouraging your encourager. We oftentimes make the mistake of discouraging the ones there to encourage us. But when you begin to encourage your encourager, it's catching. It's catching. And speaking about marriages, and I need to speak a little bit about that. Why do marriages get in trouble? Well, sometimes a husband will come home and he'll lay all kinds of troubles and problems on his wife. And I've been guilty of this. Don't say amen, Kathy. After he spends about 30 minutes telling her a bunch of negative things, he says, man, why aren't you happy? Well, he's discouraged as encourager. My wife's my encourager. She's my helpmate. She's the one that needs to help me look up on the top side of life. What am I doing in discouraging her? Ladies, why is your husband discouraged? Well, he comes home. You let yourself go. You have a messy house. You cook out of a box. You wonder why your husband's depressed? Because you never act the way you act towards him when you dated. When you dated, did when you saw him when you dated. I remember when Kathy and I dated. Uh, she was 16, I was 17. That's how I got to be a grand, great-grandfather at 72. You got to be married about 13. But anyways, <laughs> I remember when I was dating Kathy, and I remember I looked forward to pulling up at your house. The Northbrook Apartments, I think they were. Man, I can't believe I remembered that. I mean, I'm having a moment. <laughs> Northbrook Apartments, and I remember pulling up in my Oldsmobile F-150, jacked up in the back, big old wide slicks, noisy. I pulled up, and she could hear it. And when she came out of that door, she never even touched the ground all the way to my, tr- all the way to my car. <laughs> I mean... She encouraged me. I mean, I never had anybody like me. <laughs> I wasn't sure my mom and dad liked me. Brother John, they bought me a motorcycle 15 years old. I think they were trying to kill me. <laughs> no helmet, no, no course, no nothing. You know what I'm talking about. Well, I had four horses. They tried to kill me. That didn't work. The horses didn't work. They gave me a motorcycle. That didn't work. Man, I met this girl... And she just was excited. And the smile on her face was not duplicable. It was like, genuinely, I am really glad to be with you. Could we not use a dose of that this morning? Have we not taken each other for granted? Have we not in some ways fallen back and discouraged our encourager? Yes, we have. That's why the Bible says uh, you have a choice. I read the verses earlier, put on, put off. You can put on the old grouchy one, or you can put on the one that's looking for the good instead of the bad. It's up to you. Why, girls, you meant your husband, your hair was done, your makeup was on, your nails were polished, you had your clothes all over, all nice and spiffy. You know what our trouble is? We stop winning what we've won. My son the other day was gone. He's gone so much. I call him up and say, are you still coming to church? And he says, uh, yeah, my wife and I are taking a weekend. I said, another one? He said, well, Dad, I'm winning what I won. He knows that's the one thing I can't argue with. 
you know, when your dad's a pastor, it's tough, you know. He, he, you're missed. He calls you up. Like, you're, you're, what, are you, what are you doing? Oh, I'm taking my wife up to some frilly nothing so we can be, huh. <laughs> So I'm winning what I won. I got to say amen to that. Because when they have a happy marriage, that encourages me. Encourages me. And he's, in, he's, winning, he, he's winning what he won. He's a sly dog. <laughs> if you encourage your encourager, eventually you will be encouraged. You may not be encouraged immediately, but you will be encouraged down the road. Your pastor here, I've been down here, for, I've been here as assistant pastor since, well, I was assistant pastor in 1980. 92 became senior pastor. And I want to tell you, this has been a great ride. It's been a great ride to be your pastor. I'm going to give you the greatest compliment a pastor can give a people. It's been a great ride being your pastor. You have encouraged my soul. Over and over and over again, you encourage my soul. How do you get encouraged, preacher? Well, read one of those Marilyn Rose letters one time. I get letters from all kinds of different people that say, preacher, I just wanted to drop you a note and say we love you and thank you for this or that. And some of it may not even be true, but I'll take it. (laughs) When I hear the deacons are reading their Bible through every year, it encourages my soul. Our deacons meetings are good meetings. They're friendly meetings. They're happy meetings. Now, sometimes we disagree on things, but we, we agree to disagree in a friendly manner. That encourages my soul. Uh, preachers, it encourages my soul to go to deacons meetings because we have a bunch of men that understand this principle. When you people out there read your Bible through, and I pray for you all year long as you're reading your Bible through, and I'm reading with you, by the way. My wife's reading with you. My wife and I, are both reading our Bibles through every year, and you're reading yours through. We had over 100 and some odd people last year finish your Bible. That encourages me, and I'm the one that's supposed to encourage you. You are encouraging your encourager, but also you're encouraging the Holy Spirit, who is your real encourager above all encouragers. You're not grieving him. You're encouraging him. When you people show up for visitation, and we go door-to-door and have a big old group go door-to-door, and you're willing to take some of your Saturdays off, and you bust people that are willing to take your Saturdays off and your Sundays and your Sunday afternoons off, and we had 61 on the bus uh, this morning, and that's encouraging me, but more than that, it's encouraging the Holy Spirit, and he's your encourager. The Holy Spirit of God is the one encouraging you, and I'm encouraging him by the way I'm living and the way I'm trying to follow him in, in submission to his will, that encourages God. You mean you can affect God? You literally can affect God. You can make a difference. How can you affect him negatively? Well, verse 31. That all bitterness, the word bitterness, these are things that you shouldn't have in your life, and I just need to briefly deal with these. Number one, bitterness. The, the Greek word is pikria. What do you think that means? Pick-ria. Picky. Picky, 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 picky. Don't be picky. Don't overlook 
Don't over-inspect. Don't look too close. Take it easy. Man, when you come up to your women, just take your glasses off. Say, hey, man, you look good, woman. <laughs> See, I think cataract, I, I think cataract surgery is dangerous. I haven't got mine now. I, my cataracts are well. <laughs> but all bitterness. You don't have the right to be bitter, but you don't know what he did for me. But I, I, you ever look inward? What have you done to God? How many times you disappointed God? How many times you've been evil? How many times you thought evil? Oh, it just goes on. It don't take much word. You go and start looking at yourself. Uh, and realize Jesus died for you. He resurrected for you. He conquered death and hell for you. He's preparing a mansion for you. He put your name in the book of life. He's going to give you a new body. Grace the Lord. He's going to give you a new life. He's coming back to get you. He's never going to leave you nor forsake you. Brother, if you're bitter over something, get over it. Go to God and say, I give it up. I lay it on the altar by the grace of God. I'm not going to get bitter over it. I'm not going to discourage my encourager. So you discourage God by being bitter. I can't tell you, but the number one reason for divorce is bitterness. Bitterness. You ever heard the thing, familiarity breeds contempt? If I'm around you long enough, and you're around me long enough, and if you're not right with God, and you're not employing this principle, you're going to see some things wrong with me. Can you believe that? You're going to see some real problems with me. Don't get picky. Let all bitterness be put away from you. It says, secondly, let all wrath. The word wrath is thumas, like thermal. It means hot-headed, passionate, unbridled. I'm just a hothead preacher. Bible says put it away. Let all wrath, thermos, hothead, outbursts of anger. Why, I, years ago, I went to a seminar by Bill Gather. It helped me so much. He, he gave me one sentence that changed my life. The Holy Spirit of God. It was just a sentence I was looking for to try to put things together. Why am, I, used to have, I used to have a real problem with anger. Now, this afternoon, I'll probably have it again, but nevertheless... Generally speaking, I've overcome my anger by the grace of God and through his power. How did I do it? Number one, I died to all my expectations in life. I died to all my rights. I have no right to be treated well. I have no right for people not to cut me off in traffic. I have no, right, I have no rights for the guy ahead of me going 25 and a 65. I have no rights. I gave all my rights up. I, and I, by the way, this isn't a one-time thing. This is every day you get up. I give up my rights to God. I give all my expectations to God. I am not. I do not deserve anything but by the grace of God. He has saved me and put, him, put me in the body of Christ, and that's glory, glory, glory. I am not going to be a hothead. The Bible warns about being around people that are angry, that you learn not their way. See, well, they use anger to get what they want. That's what that's. It's a tool to get what you want. You make people, oh, don't make him mad. 
Oh, and they get mad. They throw a fit and they walk around you on eggs, you know. Walk around you. God, people should not have to walk around you on eggs and worry about whether they're going to make you mad. If, if that's the way you are, you can go to God and get relieved. You can get victory. He said, let all wrath, let all, let all anger, let all bitterness, let all wrath, let all anger planned out. The word anger means planned outbursts. You discourage your encourager when you get angry with your brothers. It says, let all clamor. It means to outcry, have controversy, differences of opinion constantly. It's an atmosphere of controversy should not be surrounding you. That's what that means. Clamor. By the way, these are all related. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor. They're all brothers and sisters of each other. Don't, don't let it. You should have a spirit of constant peace. People should come around you and say, there's a peace about you. Yeah? The one Jesus said, I'll give you a peace that passes all understanding by the grace of God. You discourage your encourager when you have clamor. The word, another one says evil speaking. The word evil speaking means vilification, to speak against each other. It's time we quit being the judge and the jury and the prosecuting attorney and the arresting officer and the executioner of everybody around us. It's time we give people room to be human, as we would want room, by the way, if I say it, we would want room for ourselves. It discourages your encourager when you look at people through a microscope instead of a telescope. Let me tell you, anger is a big, big, big problem among human beings. It is a divider. It is a decimator. It is a destroyer. It'll destroy your marriage. It'll destroy your friendships. It'll destroy your relationship with your employer, employee. It'll destroy your relationship with your neighbors. It'll destroy your relationship with your children. You name a relationship anger, and it will come in, and little by little will destroy and discourage the one who's there to encourage you, and eventually they won't encourage you anymore. I don't want to be ruled by anger. I want to be ruled by the Holy Spirit which is the great comforter and peacemaker. But then it doesn't leave us in the negative. Look in the, in verse, the last verse, 32. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Wow. That's maturity. People ask me sometimes, what is, it, what is being a mature Christian? Verse 32. Verse 31 is immaturity. Verse 32 is maturity. Be kind one to another. That's not natural. Uh, especially people who've done you wrong. Be tenderhearted and forgiving. I did my mom and dad wrong, real wrong, a lot of different times. I betrayed them. I lied to them. I, I was a bad boy. And one time I did something really wrong and hurt my mother really badly, real badly. Crushed her heart. And she came up to me crying. She said, Billy, I forgive you. Because the Bible says in Ephesians, and she quoted the verse, Ephesians 4.32, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake and forgiving. She quoted me that verse with tears in her eyes. And she encouraged me 
to really be a Christian, not just in name only, but to walk it. Not perfectly. Nobody be, nobody's a perfect Christian in this room. We will be, by the grace of God, at the adoption of sons that it talks about in Romans chapter 8, but we're not there yet. But until then, we're to be kind one to another. Is this you? Tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Why do you do it? Because God forgave you in Christ. Man, we need to continue to look back at the cross. I hope you can say with me this morning, I have forgiven everyone everywhere. I'm saying that to you right now. I have forgiven everyone everywhere. I've forgiven everyone everywhere. If somebody does me dirty or somebody does me wrong or somebody hurts me, I have to go back on my knees and my side of my bed and say, Lord Jesus, how much have you forgiven me? He says, well, I forgave you all your sins. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses you from all. I said, okay, that's the deal. So I forgive them. They don't deserve it, but I didn't deserve it. They were mean. I was mean. They presumably did it. I presumably did it. And yet you forgave me by faith in Christ. If you'll encourage your discourager, or you're, if you encourage your encourager, and you treat each other the way the Bible tells you to treat each other, your depression for the most part will be gone. Your blue days for the most part will be gone. Your anxiety for the most part will be gone. The high blood pressure may even come down and the sadness may go. Pat Ott died last week, I think it was. You knew her, John, knew Pat. Pat, Pat had rheumatoid arthritis for years and years and was in agony and pain every day, every day. I don't I had she taught school for us for 24 or 5 years. And I saw her day after day after day after day at teachers meetings in and out. You see somebody 25 years, you work with them. I don't ever remember her saying anything negative. I don't ever remember her complaining about her problem. I always kind of felt like she kind of had a spring in her step even though she walked with pain. She had both knees replaced same time. You don't know many people like that. That's how bad her knees were. Both done same time. When she got out of surgery, after the knee surgery, which has got to be horribly painful when they do both knees at the same time, I said, how you doing, Pat? She said, a whole lot better. I said, do you mean to tell me your pain when your knees was so bad that the post-op, oh, she said, it's way better. That even made it more serious to me when she had a spirit that she had. She died. Her daddy, Dwight Patterson, I know John Asher here today, and John's been with, was with us a year. And you remember when Dwight sang this song? I'm going to sing it. I'm, gonna do, I'm not going to do it justice. But this song's been on my soul all week. And I can still hear old Dwight Patterson sing this. This is a retired preacher from Kokomo, Indiana. Once so aimlessly I wandered round the tangled paths of sin. All about me seemed so hopeless. Doubt and fears without. Within, oh, and a voice so kind and gentle 
spoke sweet peace within my soul. Gone my days of sin and wandering. Now the Savior's made me whole. I have never lost the wonder of it all. I have never lost the wonder of it all. Since the day that Jesus saved me and a whole new life he gave me, I have never lost the wonder of it all. Now my life is... I got one more verse, one more verse. You may wish it was over, but I got one more verse. You're encouraging me to quit, but I'm not going to do it. Now my life is full of gladness. All my days are filled with joy. I no longer walk in sadness. Happy songs my lips employ. For I've learned the wondrous secret only those in Christ can know. Tis a peace of sins forgiven, joy that makes this old heart glow. I have never lost the wonder of it all. I have never lost the wonder of it all since the day that Jesus saved me and a whole new life he gave me by his grace. I have never lost the wonder of it all. Father, preach this better than I can. There are some marriages in here that could be saved by this today. There's relationships in his church that could be saved today by this truth. Nothing new. Old truth. May we get it before it's too late. Someone here this morning knows not Jesus is their Savior. We're here for you. We'll show you just how to be saved, how to know Christ. And if you just want to discuss the topic, we'll just discuss the topic with you without pressure. We're not a cult. But I tell you this, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You can put your name in that. By faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe as a born-again Christian, you're struggling with anger, bitterness, clamor, wrath, all these things we spoke about. Maybe you're struggling with being negative and not encouraging your encourager. Help us to not discourage our encourager, whatever happens. In Jesus' name we pray. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, 
or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.